yeah, that old adage, life is too short, just became just so obvious to us. And, you know, without the um, prospect of having our own family and children and stuff like that, it's like, well, what do we really want the next X number of years of our life to look like? This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. All right, so we've been talking about landing a remote job for a while now, but the one thing you're probably most curious about is how to learn the online skills you need to land these jobs. I'm not just talking about getting a brief introduction, but learning from actual accredited schools so you can be taken seriously when you apply for these jobs. You've been waiting for a while, and I'm really sorry about that, but I have finally created a whole page listing the best courses to take from teaching English online to becoming a freelance writer and so much more, all from trusted sources that will get you that remote job. So if you're ready and serious to take the next step, then visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. Again, you can visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. On this episode, I speak with Daylene, who is a former nomadic traveler who has visited 60 countries in almost eight years with her husband, Pete. They returned to Canada in 2016 when Daylene was sidelined by leukemia. Since then, Pete and Daylene, now cured, have focused on building their businesses and are ready to strike out with new plans for their future. Besides their main travel blog, Hectic Travels, they now also have a niche blog called Road Trip Alberta, plus two more in the works. Daylene is also the CEO of their successful company, HMI, which manages influencer marketing campaigns and social media for tourism industry clients. So listen on to learn more on how Daylene was able to turn a tragedy into opportunity. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Daylene. Hey Daylene, how are you? I'm great, Debbie. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much again for being here with us today. Can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Well, long story short, (laughs) it is a very long story, but if we rewind to about 2007, that seems like ages ago now, um, my husband and I were living in Calgary, near Calgary, Alberta, living and working, you know, the corporate life buying a big house, planning for kids, climbing the corporate ladder, you know, all that normal kind of stuff. Uh, We went through some pretty severe personal tragedies within about a six-month time span uh, where Pete lost his mom. We found out we couldn't have kids, actually. Uh, My parents split up, and I lost my sister. And this was all in a very short time frame. And as you can imagine, any one of those things can send you for a pretty big loop. And um, so all of those at once really hit us hard. And for the next six months after my sister had passed away, I was off work and we had had, you know how it is when you're living and working that corporate life, we'd have a bad day at work and you'd um, 
swear that you're going to sell everything and move to Australia and stuff like that. And (laughs) we had done that so many times, but you know, after a glass of wine and your boss apologizes the next day, then you feel like, okay, this isn't so bad. But after all that had happened and while I was off work, we started to talk about it again. And it, this time we really ran out of reasons not to do it. And so it was on one snowy drive that we decided within a two hour span that this is what we were going to do. And, you know, silence overtook the car. And we, I think we were both waiting for the other one to pipe up and just say, no, this is really crazy. We're not doing this. And then we just did it. We listed our house. We, in the fall of 2009, we packed everything into two backpacks and we took a one-way flight to Bolivia of all places to start our journey. And that ended up being almost eight years, the start of almost eight years of nomadic living where we traveled around the globe, uh, built up some businesses online, and were able to sustain ourselves while we explored the world at the same time. Wow. Well, this is incredible. I mean, First of all, I'm so sorry that happened. That's a lot to to take in. And a lot of people go through that within a lifetime, not within six months of, of your life. So that's a lot of things. And I'm sure that definitely, well, obviously it did because you finally took that step to, to change your life and not do something that you don't want to do anymore. So I feel like there's certain things in our life that's just such a tragedy and it really depends on your actions right what you're going to do with it because technically you and your husband could still be doing what you were doing in 2007 and still be miserable but you really learned from that and you had that courage yeah that old adage life is too short just became just so obvious to us and you know without you know all that loss we felt and without the um prospect of you know, having our own family and children and stuff like that. It's like, well, what do we really want the next X number of years of our life to look like? And we realized we weren't, you know, really fulfilled in what we were doing. And it just led us on this trajectory that it's really kind of hard to fathom that all that we've done in the last decade or so, but it, you know, it's been life-changing and in such a positive, positive way. Yeah. And that's really turning something negative and turning it into a whole different thing in your life that led you here. So I know that you both have thought about it before any of this happened. And then finally you took that leap. Was there any sort of, you know, thinking about it and preparing or did you both just say to yourself, (laughs) okay, we're just going to do it. We don't care. (laughs) This is enough. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was funny that it was just that one drive where we finally made the decision. And then, you know, I and I was I hadn't gone back to work yet. And I but I had started to in the in the new year just after that and slowly and stuff because I was still really struggling um, with like a PTSD really is what I was diagnosed with after all that I went through. And so it was a few months after that we listed our house. I think we pretty firmly believed, yeah, this is what we're doing. Our family and friends were a little more skeptical. (laughs) And until we listed our house, then they, you know, they finally realized, oh gosh, they're serious. This is really happening. And, and when, but it was funny, it took a long time to sell our house because it was right around, it was ridiculous timing, right around the market crash where 
houses went crazy and uh, we ended up making much less than we had anticipated, but that didn't stop us. We were just like, okay, we can still do this. We need to do this. We, you know, and then when we finally turned the keys over to our house and drove away from it, I will never forget that feeling of just freedom. Like just, I had the giantest smile on my face and, (laughs) you know, I knew we were changing our life and, that even if, you know, we hated it and even if we turned around and came back a few months later and started over, I just knew I would never regret that decision just to free myself of, you know, the burdens of uh, modern life in North America and just to start something totally new and change, you know, turn our world upside down and see where it took us. Yeah. And it's funny that you say burden because... For a long time, for a lot of us who work in the corporate world, we actually accumulate things that do become burden in our life, right? And Mm -hmm. we think that that's the right way of doing things because that's what we were thought. You know, you accumulate things, houses, cars, all of these material things that you don't necessarily need sometimes, right? And there's there's definitely a time and a place for it, but I think it's different for everybody. And I think there's people that really do want to settle down because it's something that they want to do. And then for a lot of us, it's because we were told it's what we had to do. And what you and your husband did was unreliable, unstable. It's insane, right? So I'm yeah, pretty totally. sure. <laughs> yeah, all those words I heard many times. <laughs> Yeah. And then you realize it like that feeling that you get once you finally let go of that is is like freedom that you've never felt before. So take us through when you finally after you finally get your house in order, you give out your key, you start traveling. What was that like leaving this life that you had built for both of you and then now creating this completely different one. <laughs> uh, it was, oh man, it was exhilarating. It was stressful. It was, man, I, it's hard. It's honestly, it's hard to put into words. I know the first few months were a real struggle, especially between my husband and I, to be honest, you build these roles in your relationship. He mows the lawn. I do the laundry, whatever, that's a minute one, but whatever it may be. And then you find yourself in a hostel room in Bolivia and you, you know, trying to plan out your days or trying to do whatever. And that changes and you kind of, you struggle to figure out where you fit together. Also the, just going from, we both worked in different places, you know, the time amount, amount of time we actually spent together every day when we were living around Calgary was, just a few hours, right? Car rides to work after, you know, having dinner and stuff like that. All of a sudden we're together 24 (laughs) seven. And, you know, I had friends who told me I couldn't do that with my husband for two weeks and it would be over, (laughs) you know, and it was just figuring that out with ourselves too, like, and realizing that, yeah, we're very much together. We're very much a we, but we still also need our individual time And it took a while for us to realize that that was okay, that, you know, I'd want to go off for a walk by myself just to get that time to myself. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be with him. It's just that I needed that time for myself. And 
it took a while for us each to not get offended by that when the other would ask for time, you know, it was nothing personal. It was just something that our, we each needed. And so there were things like that, that we were a bit of a struggle that we didn't anticipate going into it. But overall, like, I mean, we were seeing new things. We were learning Spanish. We stayed in the small city of Sucre, Bolivia for two months, just for that reason to you know, we, we spent our first year in South America, so we wanted to learn some Spanish. And um, it was just such a shock every single day, so pleasantly that, you know, we knew that this was the life that we, you know, this was making us happy. This was the life that we wanted so much so that after that first year, uh, we had to return to Canada because Pete's brother was getting married and it didn't take us long when we were here. And, there was a lot of reverse culture shock, but it also, at the same time, it was like, no, we can't, we can't stay. Like we have to move on. We have to continue this life. There's, it's just giving us so much. And uh, so, you know, in that we just went from uh, such a flip in lifestyle, but it was just exactly what we both needed me to drag myself out of the depression I was in. And, you know, and then also just to, you know, see the world and uh, experience new things. And, you know, it just led to so much. We weren't ready to give that up. And, and you know, the the funny thing about life, right? We go through all of these hardships that oftentimes we didn't even know was coming. Yeah. And then again, it leads us to these unexpected things things that really completely changes our lives. And that's what you both did. And it's like, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it's like taking that red pill from the Matrix, the movie. It's like once, once you take it, you can never go back. And that's exactly what you and your husband did. And it's kind of like knowing this other world that only, you know, certain people know. And then when you come back and you see family, it's great, but it's like, you can never go back to that again. So (laughs) yeah, that's exactly it. It's just, we're forever changed by that. And being here for a few years back now that we have been, has been a struggle as well to kind of readapt to this kind of lifestyle. And um, yeah, we're itching to get on the move again too. (laughs) (laughs) So once you both started traveling, you took that red pill, you can't ever go back again. What did you decide to do for yourselves? Like what did you decide to do to make this more permanent? Yeah, I mean, we knew after that year in South America, uh, I mean, we had, even though we sold our house when the market was crashing, we had still made a decent amount of money. And that was really what was funding us. But of course, that's going to run out, right? Like there, we knew that we needed to come up with a way to earn some money while we were traveling and uh, so that we could continue this lifestyle. And it was around at the, towards the end of that first year where we started noticing travel blogs. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, this is way back in 2010 when, you know, influencer wasn't a word, yeah. you know, all these things, there was so much uncertainty and there was no real concrete way we could see to even make money off of a travel blog. But I do enjoy writing. My husband started picking up on photography and we thought, okay, let's try this. Like if anything, maybe we, I could get some freelance writing job, et cetera. Like we didn't need a lot to live. We were, you know, we did a lot of house sitting that kept our prices, our costs down and all these other things. And 
So we just knew we wanted to keep going. And as long as we could find a way to sustain ourselves, that was fine. So we started our first travel blog in early 2011. And that, you know, did that for us for a good few years. But then we realized again that there were, you know, the, the kind of the path forward there to making, to continuing wasn't, uh, wasn't appealing to us either. You know, I'm not someone who will sell sunglasses on Instagram. Like I just can't <laughs> bring myself to do that. And it's not saying anything against the people that do. I just can't, I'm just not that person. So that kind of made us think of other things. So then we started another business of, you know, again, that's the time when influencing still wasn't a word, but it was coming around and travel brands were looking at people like us to work with. And so we became kind of the intermediary between um, bloggers and other kinds of, uh, no, actually it was just bloggers back then. There was no Instagram and travel brands to work together. And we both, my husband and I have a business background, so it was a natural fit for us. And so that, and, you know, it's kind of snowballed from there and grown into other things. And so that's, you know, when we realized, yeah, okay, we really can make this work now and uh, live this life that, you know, we enjoy so much where, you know, even though we may be working long days while in Paris, we're still in Paris and we can go have a wonderful dinner and, you know, do all those other things that we want to do while we're there. So, and that became our lifestyle of, you know, digital nomadism, I guess. That just became a word in the dictionary this year. I just found out this morning. That is awesome. That's a huge yeah. win for, for us in, in these types of industries. So mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, and that's not a bad way to live. You know, you're working, but at least you're in Paris and you get to eat French food and, you know, have yeah. all the bread. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. like whatever you want. It's amazing. I mean, we, we slowed down our travels a lot. So we, you know, we would say spend a month in Paris. Um, and so what a normal tourist may come in and do within four or five days may take us a month because we're working during the day and stuff like that. But, you know, whatever time was our friend, we could, we could do that. And um, so that, you know, became this lifestyle that we really, really love and that I really miss. <laughs> yeah. And I think also you get to immerse yourself in the culture when you do it that yes. way, when you start yeah. doing slow travel rather than just a quick in and out. And you, you know, it's like fast food, but for travel, right? So yeah, 100% <laughs> experiences opened up to us that never would have, you know, we did some house sitting and I always talk about Turkey. It's my, one of my favorite countries. And we, we're in this small town um, where the only person who really spoke good English, besides the homeowners of the house we were taking care of who were English and were heading back to England, was the local high school English teacher. Mm. And he, you know, brought us into his classroom because the kids had never heard native English speakers before. Then suddenly the kids are messaging us and inviting us to dinner with their families. We went to a Turkish wedding. We did, you know, all these things that you would never do as a normal tourist, but we were there for three months and we just, you know, got more into the local scene than we ever would have otherwise and just opened up all these incredible opportunities that we'll never forget. Yeah. And it's amazing when you do that, because again, you'd never have experienced any of this if you had just stayed home and you're still in your corporate job, you still have that house and who knows what 
you would be doing, you know, yeah. and you'd just be going to Turkey for a week and then going home and then you'd never yeah. have met those children, yeah. right? <laughs> and have these really rich connections. And when they still message us years later and ask us when we're coming back yeah. and, you know, we're one of the students that we met has now been to school in Scotland wow. and to, for English and stuff. And he st- messaged us like a year ago. He said it's still his bucket list item to come travel with us for a while. Aww. Like there's just these connections that we made that, you know, we've never, we never would have otherwise that really, really, you know, deepened our love for the kind of travel that we were doing. Yeah. And that's the thing that a lot of us love about travel is the connections that we're making. It's not just about seeing things. It's also about the the community and the people that you really get to know once you do have a location-independent lifestyle. So yeah, one of the things that you mentioned, Daylene, is that you and your husband did a lot of house-sitting, and this allowed you to save money, to travel to a lot of different places, to even meet people in the community, right? So how did you get started with that and how do you allow yourself to actually make this into something that could be a part of your traveling journey that's going to save you lots of money because I've seen a lot of people do this and it seems really interesting yeah it uh, when we were actually in Ecuador we met an American couple who had been traveling solely by house sitting for like 16 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That really opened our eyes and uh, because we had never really heard of it or thought of it before. And that was before the big house sitting platforms were on the internet. So theirs was solely by word of mouth, but they had been, you know, sought after by many people. They spent six years in Costa Rica alone. There's a lot of expats there who would go back to the U.S. for a while. And so they would take care of their homes and stuff while they were gone and and not pay rent, you know, and just live there basically for free just to take care of their houses and their pets or whatever. So again, we saw that as another way that maybe we could sustain our lifestyle, keep our costs low while we figured out the income side of things. So actually when we had gone back to Canada for... Pete's brother's wedding, right after that, we we wanted to start doing this. We wanted the, to see where this would take us. And we actually had secured a house sitting job via a website um, in our neighboring province of British Columbia. So we did that for two months. And then, you know, while we were there, we got offered six months in Honduras. Wow. And then while we were in Honduras, we got offered two months in Ireland. And it really just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, once we got a couple of good experiences under our belt, then you know, it became super easy, actually. It's gotten more competitive these days because there's more people trying to do it. But, you know, it just people, you know, we would apply and not get everything we asked for, but a lot of times we would. And so we started doing that a lot. And oh, gosh, I can't even say how many jobs we've done or how many nights and accommodations we've saved, hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of staying places and living basically for free um, and, you know, getting those immersive travel experiences. It's just such a positive win for everybody when it works out well. And, you know, we stay in contact with so many of the homeowners and mostly they're travelers too, and they get it, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing to think about that trust of inviting someone into your home and taking care of your pets and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, that community out there that understands, you know, the motives for everybody and, and it just, it makes sense and it works out so well. Yeah. And it's so interesting how 
traveling doesn't necessarily have to be this out of reach, super expensive thing that only you can do once or twice a week a year, right? right. Mm-hmm. And it can be affordable because of so many different platforms. And if you just think outside of the box, there are a lot of ways that you can actually save money, create income and do all of these things. So, and I know that you and your husband kind of just did what you needed to do because of everything that was happening around your life. And you needed this to to really, in a way, it really kind of saved you, right? Like your sanity. Yeah. And, and now you're here, you're living this life, you're able to do this full time. So what would you say would be some of the things that you didn't think like unexpected things that have come to you because of this new lifestyle that you've created for yourself? Oh, wow. Um, The first thing that pops into mind was in 2014, we were named Travelers of the Year by National Geographic. Oh, my gosh. It's pretty shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget when my mom had nominated us of all things. And she sent me this email saying, look what I just did and showed me the nomination. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, there's no (laughs) way that's ever going to happen. And then we got an email from the editor a few months later saying we'd been shortlisted. And up until the point where the magazine printed, I was like, they're going to change their minds. (laughs) There's just no way like, you know, but it, a lot of it had to do with the house sitting and the way we were showing people to tra- how to travel differently and, and you know, the writing we were doing on our blog and stuff like that. And that was shocking. And that was kind of a, it was a game changer for us, really. And um, that's just something that was totally unexpected. All kinds of things, really. The, the work that we do, the businesses that we've built, the fact that we can, you know, I never would have had the confidence, honestly, to do this to quit, um, start my own business and work who knew I could work alongside my husband so seamlessly, you know, after those first few rough months (laughs) to be able to build this. And it's just, it's just changed so many things. And just, I, it's hard beyond the Nat Geo thing. There's been so many things, not to that scale, but like that, that have just surprised and shocked me. And I think that just shows that, you know, uh, if you just try to do something, you know, fulfilled, be fulfilled, do something differently. That's and it's, it is going to open doors. It is going to present new opportunities and things that you probably never would have dreamed of or imagined of before. And yeah, it's, I don't know, it's hard to say. There's just so many amazing things that have happened. And honestly, I think we underestimate ourselves, right? Yes. Like we absolutely underestimate what we can be capable of once, but the, it's like once we get out of that mindset, we get out of that little box that we created for ourselves and actually push ourselves a little more than we can see our potential. And that's exactly what you and your husband did. And it's so funny because you've been doing this for a really long time before this was even a thing, you know, before yeah, yeah. <laughs> before it was even in the dictionary. So. Right? <laughs> I don't want to take credit for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you're you one of the OGs that did this. So and <laughs> I am pretty positive that a lot of people have gone to your website, read through what you had gone through your journey and have been completely inspired by that. And, you know, and I think, too, 
a lot of, you know, I see this all the time. Like a lot of people think that you have to be, you know, a Tiger Woods to do something incredible. And everyday people could do something great as long as they put themselves out there and just do it, do something, right? Yeah, and exactly. there's so much untapped talent out there that we actually do to ourselves. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fear is powerful to stop people from doing different things. And honestly, when I think back about the decision that we made to travel in the first place, I sometimes can't believe we did that, really. <laughs> and I feel like it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't gone through the tragedies that we did, mm -hmm. um, which also really bums me out because that's probably the case for most people, right? They don't really face their own you know, what do I want to do with my life? They don't really answer that question until they're really faced with something that probably traumatic that really brings that question to the forefront. And I wouldn't, we wouldn't have done this without that. I'm pretty certain. And um, that makes me sad about that because I don't know where our lives would be right now with, if we hadn't have done that. And, um, and it makes me sad to think about a lot of the people that are wait that are waiting for that and maybe don't even know they're waiting for that but you know are, don't have this will inside of them to do something different but are just scared to until they're faced with something pretty terrible that really forces them to answer those tough questions yeah and i was going to say the same exact thing it's such a sad sad thing for i think for most people and the thing that's even sadder is that there's a lot of people that never experienced that type of tragedy, you know, and not to say that that's sad that they didn't experience that, but the fact that they would never know what it's like to go beyond something or to go forward with what they really want to do with their life. Because again, like you said, Daylene, because of fear. So it's, it's really hard, right? Because yeah. when you're not forced into something or when you're not able to reevaluate because you think this is how life should be, you kind of just go with the flow. You just, you're just like, okay, well, I guess this is how, this is how life is. And looking at someone like you, Dalian, and your husband, they're like, well, that's impossible. I can never do that. And just go through life living a half life, you know, yeah. not yeah. living the full life that they deserve. And, um, and I do agree. I think it's really, really sad. You know, I'm a, I am like to write, but I'm also a numbers person. And I always used to say that pre all of this, I was probably 70% happy with my life. Mm. You know, yeah. I had a great job, great career, amazing husband. And, you know, we were living really well. We were on trajectory to have like these really fantastic careers and stuff like that. But it, there was always just that 30% was missing. So you know, we could have been fine, but mm -hmm, to go from exactly. 70 to 99, you know, like who knew, who knew that was possible um, and, or who knows until you try it really. Exactly. It's like always living an okay life. I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, exactly. how are you doing? Okay. And yeah. now when somebody, you know, like now it's like fantastic. I get to do yeah. what I love every day. So there's a yeah. huge difference. Even in that 30%, that's a big difference with how you're it living is. your life now. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. Do you ever look back and are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this has happened to me and like, look at where you are. And I'm sure oh, you've, man. you've been to like some incredible places that being voted in National Geographic, it's like, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, all the time, all the time. I, especially now, you know, we've been settled for a little while because 
I had a battle with leukemia and then COVID and, you know, so we've been, so it does seem kind of almost distant past now. And I've been feeling a really strong urge to get back to that, but you know, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. But yeah, it's almost hard to believe that any of it even happened. Like it feels kind of dreamlike, but I also can't imagine any other way. I now, I just cannot imagine having lived our life any other way. Yeah. Well, leukemia, that's another ringer that you've, you've been put through. So this is just to show you that I think too, when we go, you know, when you go through these things that you have gone to through, there's some people that just give up. Right. And they're just like, well, all of this stuff has happened to me. So I may as well give up. Like life is not worth anything anymore. And then we see someone like you who turn that into something positive, who sees it as an opportunity for yourself to do something more because life is so fleeting. And I say this all the time. We don't know if there's an afterlife. We don't know if we're going to get another one. So we we have to make do with what we have. And if this is it, then we have to do it the best way we can. And you definitely have, Daylene. So, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I feel all right with my choices. <laughs> That's amazing and fantastic. So my next question for you is, if 30, 40 years from now, and you're looking back at everything that you've done with your life, what legacy would you like to leave? And what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, boy. Um, I, you know, I've been asked this question before, and I struggle with it, because it's not something I typically think about often. It's not something I ever want to focus on because I'm absolutely okay if I leave this earth and I'm just dust in the wind and not remembered. And, you know, I just want to live a, sounds weird, but a simple (laughs) kind of humble little life now. Um, That may sound really weird, but it's the truth. And uh, I just, I guess I just want to remember for, uh, I don't know, leaving a positive impression, like just something, you know, that's all I can say. I just want people to remember me for some kind of kindness or, you know, anything, you know, positive, but it it can be fleeting. That's okay. Um, (laughs) I'm not hell bent on, you know, statues in my name or anything like that. (laughs) I, that, that's fine by me. (laughs) You never know. There's still a long ways to go. There could be several statues coming your way. So, hey, (laughs) I'm okay if it's not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no problem there. No, but no, it totally makes sense. Because honestly, lately, especially with the pandemic happening, I'm just like, yeah, I like living a simple life. I just want to be in the country somewhere. Like, yeah. no, totally. <laughs> right? It's 100%. Like it's nice. Cut off. I'm okay yes. with cutting it all off, except for Netflix. Like, you could take away everything else. Um, Not Netflix, though. Netflix No, no. Netflix has to stay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean... Just, you know, meeting you today and talking to you, one of the things that really comes to me is your resilience and your ability to be able to come through so many obstacles and just come out of it in the positive light. So that's already something that I'm sure you're giving other people too with your story and all of this. And I'm pretty sure it's going to keep happening and there's going to be more to your story in the next, you know, 50 years or, or longer. So I love it. And I just want to thank you, Daylene, for sharing with us your journey. It's definitely been a, a really big adventure for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, those 
thank you for your very kind words, Debbie. Um, yeah. And it was my pleasure to talk thank about it. Thank you so much. Now, if our listeners want to get to know you more, where can they find you? Uh, so, you know, we're a travel blog that doesn't travel these days, <laughs> so it's not updated as as usual, but Hectic Travels is our travel blog that, you know, has our story back to the beginning and some really terrible early writing. <laughs> if you're no go down that rabbit hole. Uh, nowadays we are, we, because we're in Alberta and have been for a while, we've been blogging at Road Trip Alberta um, just to tell people about, you know, the beauty that surrounds us here. And yeah, but probably the most to connect would at Hectic Travels on Twitter. I'm there all the time. It's my favorite platform to stalk people and connect with people. So <laughs> that's probably the best place to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daily, And we'll definitely stalk you on there as well. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Daily, And make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to get started with influencer marketing. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.